Hello, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Jennifer Simon. I'm Director of Business and Content Development at Entrepreneur, an online platform that helps creatives succeed. I'm speaking with Diane Holton. She is an art director, fashion enthusiast, pop culture and style junkie, footwear designer, and visual display associate. Diane has worked with brands such as The Gap, Nike, and AARP. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. Hi, it's so nice to be here with you. Diane, you have such an amazing list of accomplishments, interests, and projects. What originally sparked your interest in art and design? Was there a moment or experience when you realized, I think this is it, I found my calling? I actually can't really say exactly when that moment happened because I feel like I was always immersed in art and design and fashion. My parents, they both had their full-time gigs and other industries. They both dabbled in the arts. And so coming up, you know, I remember watching my dad paint and then getting into sculpture. So I started to like sketch as a kid, lots of designs, lots of creations, and, and hoped and prayed that they would be implemented. Can't say they always did. Then as I continued to evolve, I went to school, which is Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida. I studied design which again was not far-fetched, to study graphic design versus fashion design. And here I am today. Did you always know you were going to have multiple creative outlets? I went into it not knowing what was going to happen in my program that was the art director of our college newspaper. And he said, come on board and help us out here. You know, as a designer, I think you'll learn a lot. And so I came to the FAMU in our college newspaper and studied for, I guess, maybe two years. Not under his tutelage, only like six months under him. And then other people were senior and they had the art director position. So I worked with them. But having that experience and being around like the journalism students, because our program was School of Journalism, Media and Graphic Arts. And so I was around a plethora of journalism students and they were so amazing. These, these students were being recruited by major papers. And so being around them allowed me to gain a little bit of insight into the publication world. So if it wasn't for Jason, again, bringing me on board for my college newspaper, I'm not so sure I would have gone into publication design. But when I was with AIGA as a mentoring chair, one of the things that I helped elevate was a program with a high school. And teachers wanted us to come in, wanted AIGA to come in and bring a speaker or two to talk about design. And they were kind of thinking the usual suspects, right? Advertising maybe exhibit design, things that everybody kind of knows and identifies with when they think graphic design. But my school of thought was exposure. And the more students could be exposed to the different areas within the design field, the better equipped they'll be to be able to pick a direction to go into, right? I was fortunate, so it made me a little bit more well-rounded. And it was a very illuminating when I got out because I was like, wow, if I had not been exposed to this and this and this, I may not have been able to reference that in my work. And so working with this mentoring program, that's one of the main things I wanted to do. I said, we're bringing in people every month. We're going to bring in a variety of people. How would you describe your leadership and management style? I try to be clear and, and communicate often. Um, I try to define roles, set deadlines, manage expectations. By doing so, I think it's, it's really helped me in the collaboration process. I might not be the most organized person, but the one thing that I try to drive home is the communication part and that I have this open door to that communication. And part of that comes from my time spent in newspapers and working in media. 
You have to communicate with your audience on a regular basis. I'm communicating, our team is communicating, our publication is communicating with an audience on a regular basis. So whether that's daily or it's right now, which is digitally, so that could be every hour on the hour. But I think communication is key. So just like you, you want to communicate something clear to the audience that you're serving, internally, you need to communicate. And so I try I try my best to, to do that, to just kind of outline what I'm thinking. Even if I don't know what I want, I try to open the door, have, have the door open so that people can come and we can talk about it. And I think that helps foster collaboration. It's usually, for the most part, been collaborative. I mean, there's always a boss, get that. And there's always um, a visual aesthetic that's determined by senior leadership. But as far as the execution of the work, I feel like it's always, for the most part, been collaborative. I mean, there might be somebody who, again, is like driving the actual page design, but they're working with other people, whether it's a photo editor, photographer, you know, editors, writers, other people, other designers, like they're always having a conversation. It's important to me that you keep those lines open internally. How do you decide if a job or gig is a right fit for you? I've been thinking about that lately. What is something that I've said no to? And I think feel like lately I haven't said no to much, which <laughs> um, might be a little bit of a problem as it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, how am I going to get this done? One of the things that I, I do look for is the project fun. Is it an opportunity to work with an innovative team or an innovative technology? Is it um, charitable? Is it going to benefit an underrepresented community or some organization that could really use some you know, visual assistance? So that's how I've been looking at it lately. When I reflect and look at some of the past projects, they've all kind of fallen into that bucket. So whether it was innovations with HP or it was you know, working with Safe Shores, which is an organization that advocates for teens and kids that suffer from violence and trauma. I think it's really nice for people who have careers to share some of the hardships of it, you know, because people get caught up the image of a person, even those rock stars, creatives, and they don't realize that they have bad days too. Not everything goes smoothly. Like there's negotiations, there's creative differences, a number of different things happening. So I think sharing some of that is helpful to, you know, up and coming creatives that are trying to either emulate or trying to do their own thing. I'm really glad you said that, Diane, because I do think people feel like they have to constantly communicate who they are in all these different formats. There are a couple of people I have in my circle that they're not really on social media, but they are crucial to my brand, helping me with doing some of the things I do. So I've learned to include them when I'm doing presentation like this year. Um, there were two in particular that I was like, you know what? I think I need you on this just because you give me different perspective and you're looking at it objectively and you just would be a huge asset. And when I brought them both in on this one talk, it was great because I felt good about it. I had built in enough time to flush it out with them and it yielded good results. I think that in regards to having those circles too, have people in your circle that don't do what you do. Having people like that in the circle is very helpful behind the scenes and they don't have to be public. You know, they're not looking for attention. Some would call them coaches. Some would call them a tribe. Some would call them mentors, right? Mentors and mentees where you're the mentee and they're the mentor. I was listening to um, Clever, the Clever podcast and Chrissy Tillman, who's a fellow FAMU alumni. She's the head of global experience for Slack and Slack's first visual designer. She was talking about her trajectory. And one of the things she said at that moment, which was, couple months ago is that she has a coach, you know, she has an executive coach. 
she has somebody that helps her apart from doing her job. I don't know if she has other types of coaches, but she talked about, you know, having this coach that helps her just kind of stay in alignment. And it, and as she talked about them, it kind of felt like a therapist, but it wasn't. And I was like, wow, that's really smart. This is a person who's an expert in this lane. Hire them, put that time or negotiate or barter. So we're talking about a merge of creatives that they're listening to this and you don't have the funds to, like you said, hire. There are people who will barter with you, trade off trade services. A lot of people have done that. A lot of people who, again, that others idolize have done that coming up in their career and still do it now will trade their services. So I think you have to be honest with who you are. And sometimes you just don't know what you need. So having a diverse circle will let other people help you help yourself. That is a benefit for me and for others. And I try to be that for other people because I think that that is an important part of who I am. And as I see other people around me and I'm including other people in my circle, that conversation is, is being had. And I'm noticing that even though I've always, for the past 10 years, have been very active with AIGA's mentoring program, I've also low-key mentored people, not realizing until later that I was mentoring people in my office, but also that I was being mentored, like my boss that I had from, have had over the years, multiple, that they weren't just a boss, they were actually a mentor. And I mean, I had to learn that, I, had to re I realized that kind of after the fact, but I was like, wow, they were really not just my boss, they were a mentor. They gave me so much insight about the professional world and personally, and it was all invaluable. And so now that I realized that and have launched a couple of programs with AIGA, I'm on the lookout for those who are in need of it, who need mentorship or have questions about it. Periodically, I get you know, emails or calls regarding how to be a mentor or, or looking for a mentor. And so I have a few tips that I like to share. But the one thing that I would say for mentors is if you don't have the bandwidth to be able to mentor somebody, don't try to do it. Just say that up front and maybe help the prospective mentee find a mentor right? Like you have some friends in your Rolodex that can probably, probably be a good fit for that person. Uh, that has come up as of late where people are, you know, are flaking out. And I don't think that's fair to a mentee who's looking for guidance, looking for feedback, and you don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it. When mentees reach out and ask for somebody to be their mentor, I think mentors have to be kind of clear about what they can do or the time that they're able to give, especially when somebody has reached out and asked them to be a mentor. Like just, and I think that's kind of formal. What I do is when people ask and I don't have the time, I'll reach out to somebody who kind of aligns with that person's request, ask them if they're available to chat then give the mentee the information so that the mentee can then follow up with a prospective mentor, put it in their court and they can follow up and then let it go from there. When I mentor somebody, a lot of times it is informal, but I do what my bosses do, which is, you know, I just kind of look out for them, identify that this person probably has a need and I just start kind of grooming them a little bit from afar. With a number of them, I haven't come out and said, I'm your mentor. I've just worked with them like a mentor would and guiding and advising them. And then they realize like, oh, okay, she has an open door to feedback or questions that I might have about a particular track. And I think eventually they'll realize that, like, that this was actually a mentorship. It just was an informal one. But I highly believe that people should have mentors um, at all ages and all stages of people's careers and all different types. So like you could, you know, freelancers, especially, it would be great to talk to other freelancers who have been in the game a little bit longer. They can help out with the business acumen. They can help out with the business vernacular. They can help navigate some of those obstacles that they've you know, come up against. 
they can help a freelancer get through that. So I think it's important for like freelancers and especially emerging creatives of, again, of all ages to be on the lookout for people who could help guide them because that's important, you know, as you're trying to figure out how to get that next job, how to work with a, an art director. First of all, do your research of the person. If you're at the questions you're asking actually make sense with what they do and what they might know. Come up with your questions and your goal. What is it that you're expecting to get from them? Because sometimes people want somebody to be their mentor when all actuality, they're either fangirling or fanboying or they just want them to be their friend and not their mentor. So mentorship is invaluable. And sometimes you get friends out of it. The reality of it is though, a mentorship should never be to be friends. It's all business. What is the mentor's ROI? What do they want to see from the mentee to see that they're fruits of their labor or that there's some sort of results? With mentors, usually when they go into a mentoring relationship, they know that they're probably not going to get a lot out of it. They're usually doing it because they want to pay it forward. They want to share their expertise, but that doesn't mean that they can't get something out of it. I think a successful mentorship from a mentor's perspective is if they do get something out of it. You know, if they do learn something from their mentee as well, the mentee should be the driver of the relationship. They should be the one that comes to you with the request, with the idea. They should also help like schedule the time and figure out like, okay, when are we going to meet? But they should come with resources. They should be able to assist you. I think being a teacher applies to both sides. So not just the mentor teaching, but also the mentee, because again, I think that they always have knowledge they can share. And then they should be a continuous learner. They should be the ones that soak it up and then be hungry for more, but then also apply it to whatever it is they're asking for. But they should also share feedback, share contacts, work hard, stay in contact keep copies of conversation, keep the tips. You know, there's nothing like sharing tips with somebody and they don't write them down. But I think that the mentor can learn a lot from just listening and then they can help them kind of navigate that problem. The mentor may not want to spend the extra time connecting them or giving them the feedback. They should, but really, if you're blowing them off, that tells them that you don't really respect the relationship. Time is valuable. Great. Well, thank you so much today. Our guest has been Diane Holton, and I want to thank Diane for her insight. I hope that it's interesting. I hope some people get something out of it and they're inspired to do whatever it is that they do. 